Welcome to the Postpartum Wow, the show where moms share their raw, unfiltered postpartum moments. I'm your host, Sarah Allen, and I'm a first-time mom who was completely broadsided by postpartum depression and anxiety. I'm here to show the not-so-pretty side of becoming a parent, and I hope you hear something that resonates with you because, let's be honest, the postpartum experience is nothing like we imagined. But along with the struggles come glimpses of hope. So buckle up and hold on tight, and let's get to it. What up, friends? Thanks for joining us again here on the Postpartum Wow. Uh, It is full-on springtime where I am located, and if any of you are allergy sufferers like myself, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, My nose will sound like this probably for the next couple of episodes, so... Um, I guess if you've got filters on your headphones, you could go ahead and use those, but, uh, just, you know, just being nice, I guess, and giving you a heads up, but this is another dad's corner episode. And guys, this has been a really cool, a really cool thing to have guest speakers, especially dads providing their perspective of their view during the postpartum experience and going into parenthood. And today's another one of those great episodes I've got with me. Uh, Dustin Burns. He is uh, someone I work with who's got a very interesting tale to tell us today. Um, Before we get to in the, like I say, in the meat and potatoes of the episode, I have to provide my disclaimer of I am not a medical professional. So anything I say here is uh, not to be taking as medical advice. It's just my own thoughts and opinions. And uh, if you're currently in the throes of a uh, perinatal mood disorder, just be mindful that uh, today's episode could trigger some some thoughts. And so just be aware of that as you're listening. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to hand the floor over to Mr. Dustin. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. And uh, I am suffering from the allergies, just like yourself. And if you could uh, see me on camera, you would see that my eyes are full of what feels like sand. And so... Um, hard to see and it itches really bad. So uh, I, like you, will be dealing with this for the next uh, few weeks to months I mean, or whatever. But I wasn't going to say anything, but I just figured <laughs> since this is just an audio podcast, we don't have to worry about appearances as much. Yeah, that's funny. So my story is, is now dating back um, 14 years. So my daughter's 14 now. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm uh, I lead a technology group for a construction company in Kansas City. Um, been doing that for the last twenty years or so, uh, and and uh, our birth story actually kind of ties into uh, the company I work for still. So, oh wow, very interesting. So, before we get into that, did, what were your expectations of parenthood? Like, were you and your partner always wanted kids, or kind of give us a little background there? Yeah, we, we always wanted kids. Um, and in fact, we, we tried to be very responsible and wait until we were, um, you know, we felt like we were more financially ready to, to have children and that sort of stuff. And, you know, we initially thought that we would have multiple kids. Um, and so, so we waited till we were both 30, um, to finally start, start trying to, um, reproduce and so then we were and yeah that that go round was enough for us that we weren't um we weren't going to do it again so yeah you're uh you're one of several 
that I've talked to where, and it's not so much that they had planned it that way. It's just, that's how it worked out. And I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to make that call right now, at least for our personal story, but I'm kind of like sitting here, like I'm kind of one and done, you know, but it's, you really can't make that decision at this point, at least in our situation, but, um, applaud you for at least understanding your environment, understanding your dynamic enough to know that, okay, you know what, this is, this is what the cards had dealt in. We're going to roll with it. So like 10 nieces and nephews. So Oh, we get well plenty then. of, you know, spoil and return time. Sure. Plenty of love to go around. I like yeah. it. Um, so any, what was, what was kind of your idea of what fatherhood or parenthood would be like? Um, you know, from the, the birthing story perspective, like I assumed that, you know, we would be sitting around the house and the water would break and we would, you know, get the go bag and go to the hospital, but that didn't didn't happen. And we can get into that a little bit more. And I think from um, parenting wise and what fatherhood would be like, you know, I looked forward to the, uh, the get home from work and the kiddo is screaming, you know, daddy's home, daddy's home and runs and gives you the hug as you, uh, you, you get home and everybody's happy to see you and and that sort of stuff. And uh, it's, it's kind of that. Um, She doesn't run so much and greet me when I get home anymore, though. I have to go find her. So it's tough when you're a teenager. Yeah. So going into that kind of kind of set us up. So what was it like you and your your partner find out you're expecting and like, what were your thoughts going into the the pregnancy and the birth? And then what was the reality? Yeah. So, um, you know, we <laughs> it's funny how we found out um, my wife was just just getting really sick. And, um, and couldn't keep anything down and, and got to the point that she got so dehydrated that I took her to the emergency room and, and we go in and, uh, funnily, the first thing they ask a, a woman and at about 30 years old, um, when she is getting sick all the time is, are you pregnant? <laughs> and we said, I don't think so. You know, we weren't like that. We weren't going through any like formal trying or anything like that. And so, um, they gave her a pregnancy test at the hospital and I was like, uh, you're pregnant, uh, and here's some water. And so they gave her a couple bags of IV fluids and sent us home. And then we were, uh, we were then, you know, immediately expecting parents at that point. And so, um, you know, we thought that it would, the time would be filled with, prenatal vitamins and health checks and that sort of thing. And then, uh, you know, the normal delivery and then you take the baby home. And so that's not exactly what happened. Um, so we were, um, going through and having normal things occur, um, through the, through the gestation cycle. And, and then we finally, um, my wife had a little bit of, um, fluid loss, and we were like, well, that's kind of weird, you know, and maybe you should go see your doctor. And the only time her doctor had multiple offices and her doctor just happened to be at the furthest office, which was about an hour and 15 minutes from our house at the time. And so um, my wife drives down and um, goes see the doctor just to see what was going on. We're just expecting a, 
this is normal and you can, you know, go back about your life and, and wait a little bit longer. And so this was um, in January and my daughter was due in March. And so um, when she went down there, um, they said, you're in labor. And so um, she immediately was sent to the hospital and uh, they called me and I came down and, you know, we're like, what's this, what does this mean? And all this sort of stuff. And, and so they, uh, they, they basically were able to put her on um, magnesium, which is a central nervous system depressant. Um, and, and I can just remember that, um, I mean, it just knocked her out and it, it does this thing where uh, you feel like you're on fire. And so it was January. We had the air conditioning on in the room, uh, fans blowing on her, cold rags on her, and she was still just burning up. And and so this this lasted, I don't know, probably twelve hours or so. Uh, it basically the goal of it was to stop labor, and so um, so it eventually it, it did work. Um, it, it stopped labor and, and then after that, you, you get followed up with the, uh, the NICU team comes in and talks to you and, uh, and they sit you down and they say, you know, we're going to run you through, um, scenarios of what might happen and, and whatever. Cause we don't think that, that she's not going to go into labor early. We're going to try as much as we can to, to keep you from going back into labor, but we don't know we can and so that's the point where they set you down. They tell you that, uh, you know, if, if your child comes out not breathing, this team is going to take them away and this is what's going to happen. And here's what you'll do after that. And so just, just scare the crap out of you. Um, but better to be prepared somewhat um, as what might occur uh, as opposed to uh, finding out with, with a, uh, um, by, by accident. Uh, and so, so, but then that just, just runs so many thoughts through your head of, you know, how's this going to go and what's going to happen. And, uh, and so, you know, we were preparing for, for the worst of that really, um, because we knew that they really wanted to try to get her to stay in there a little bit longer because, uh, her lungs were not developed yet. And, and obviously if, if your lungs aren't developed and that caused a lot of problems, uh, premature birth. And so, so, um, they basically put her on bed rest at the hospital and this was, I think it was my birthday. So January 31st, um, I think was right around the time and she was due March 21st, I think something like that. Uh, and so they said, well, she, wife's going to have to stay at the hospital and we'll just have to figure it out. And so, um, that's where, that's where work comes into play, where I figured out that I was going to be spending the next, hopefully six to eight weeks in a hospital, um, next to my wife and, uh, and helping her along. And, uh, and then I realized that, well, I live an hour away from the hospital and from work. And so, um, for probably the next six, six weeks or so, uh, I slept in the hospital bed and showered and changed at work and would run to the house to, to check up on things from time to time and have somebody else let the dogs out. And so, um, 
so we did that and i mean and every day was filled with you know tests and this and that and um you know so we we kind of went through that process um up until she actually went into labor um and then that was a goodness i think she had 12 hours of labor i think uh and of course the intern tried to do the epidural and missed um and then so that's always something that you don't want to hear you know is like they're trying to stick a needle in your wife's spine and and not and just any needle but a needle that's like massive yeah. oh my gosh yeah yeah and so it goes to oops and you go what and they're like um well we're going to have to redo this and and so it was a uh, yeah that was there were a lot of complications from a just a procedural standpoint that we dealt with through the childbirth and um well also we happened to be at we we selected the hospital we selected because we knew that it had the best NICU and we chose that before we even knew that we were going to have any problems. So I'm really thankful that we, we did it that way. Um, but there was, there was lessons learned there too, um, from an insurance standpoint, but, um, but yeah, so we go through the, the labor and her doctor gets called into an emergency C-section, somebody that hadn't had any prenatal care, anything like that just showed up in an ambulance. Um, in, in labor. And so her doctor was taken away from her for that. And, um, the birth process took forever. Um, and I can tell you that the in-room care, uh, has a lot to do with, with that experience. We started out with one lady and, and she was amazing. She was great. She was caring. She, you know, um, knew the right things to do and say and that sort of stuff. And then there was a shift change. Uh, and so the next nurse comes in and um, she, she didn't have a great bedside manner. I'll just say that. Um, and so that really kind of complicated thing, like with all that we'd been through already to get to this point. And then you get a nurse in there, your doctor's not in there. She is not, um, not cooperative, not caring, not, I mean, it's all around. It was a really poor experience with her. And, and you uh, talk about a level of stress, because up to that point, you had been there, what, six weeks? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you would think at this point, I mean, granted, I don't know where she was staying in the hospital or if it was completely different from labor and delivery, but uh, you'd think there would be some kind of relationship b- built at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, like I said, it was, we started out fantastic. But the labor took so long that there was a switch over to night shift and there was there was a big difference um, between their day shift and their night shift crew. I'll tell you that Um, to the point. I mean, we went through this formal um, patient complaint process and all this sort of stuff. The lady uh, after delivery, the lady was getting wash rags ready for my wife and I'm watching her in the bathroom and she drops one of the rags on the floor. And just picks it up and hangs it over the towel bar. And of course, which I said, I don't think so. That's not okay. Um, And so it was just things like that that just 
kept piling on and you're like, my goodness, can, can we have another thing? Um, Which that's another letdown because you're becoming parents. The only thing you should be concentrating on is the well-being of your partner and that child. Yeah. Not is the staff just even following just your normal cleanliness policies. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so when she finally arrived, um, it, it was not really a, that eventful. She came out crying and wailing like a, you want your baby to do. Um, but they did, you know, they immediately took her and rushed her off to NICU for testing and checking and that sort of stuff. And so, I had to, I had to leave my wife on the bed and go with Danica, and um, and then that's and I at the whole time I had no idea that um, they were struggling to the placenta wouldn't release, and so um, so they literally had got to a one of those situations where this is our last try, and if this doesn't work, you're going to have to go to surgery, and so they finally. Um, were able to get the placenta to release, but I mean, it was just really rough on the wife and, and she was pretty, pretty sore after all that. Um, and so then I, so I went with Danica to the NICU and, and they kind of did some testing and that sort of stuff and, and she was doing okay. Um, but they immediately just start sticking needles in her. And, um, I can remember the top server poor little hands um, by the time we got out of there were all purple and bruised and 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 granted know. she was tiny like how much did she weigh uh, she was six pounds oh really so she, i mean she wasn't okay uh, from that's the weird thing about it is had we shown up on that day not being in the hospital for the last six weeks i don't know that they would have put us in the NICU yeah, because my daughter was was like just under six pounds, and there was no concern for Nikki. Of course, granted, this was what this was fourteen years ago. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so we had we had complaints all the way around, especially after we got out of there. Because when when you are in the hospital in that situation, you are so. Um, not necessarily lost isn't the right word, but you're so confused and so just vulnerable, I guess, and that you're just listening to the hospital staff and, you know, uh, expecting them to be keeping you informed and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and, and I don't know, I don't want to sound like I'm, uh, beating up healthcare or something, but like in this situation, there were several things that we didn't, looking back, we don't think that we're right. Um, you know, we, when the, I'll give you one example where the NICU team is telling that your kid might not come out breathing. One thing you don't ask is the NICU in network or out of network. Cause the entire hospital was in network, but their NICU was a contracted special something NICU. It was out of network. Um, and so, um, <laughs> Not only when we got out of there, we we found out that that uh, our part of the responsibility for the bill was thirty some thousand dollars, and uh, and again we we argued with that of the how did I know to ask 
I'm at a hospital that's in network, but the NICU is not in network. And see, to me, that just seems like you are setting up these parents for failure. Because again, if you are bringing, you're on the process of bringing a child into the world, insurance should be the last thing that comes to your mind. And it is. It is, right? You you don't even think about the insurance piece or what this is going to cost until you get the bill. Uh, and so uh, I tell that to everybody that I know that's expecting children of like, make sure that you understand is the entire hospital in network or not, because we could have transferred to Children's Mercy and probably had a better experience, better care and less cost. And, and that's something. And, yeah. And that was just something we just had no idea. Um, and then to to that regard, you know, when we finally got her out of the hospital, out of the NICU and to our, um, um, uh, pediatrician, he, he basically told us, he's like, why was this kid in the NICU? This kid's healthy. She's fine. Don't let him, don't let her stick. Don't let them stick her with anything else. She's completely fine. They sent us home with the Billy Rubin light and all this sort of stuff. He's like, she's fine. Um, and, and what kind of his, his position was like, why are they doing all this? And, um, and and so after she was born, we stayed in the hospital another week, week and a half. Um, and then they told us that, that we couldn't stay there and that, um, you know, your kid's going to be in the NICU and you can just come back and check on her from time to time. And yeah, right. Hell no. Mm -hmm. Um, they said there will be one of us here 24 hours a day. And I said, well, you can't do that. And I said, well, then you're just going to have to call the police or something. I said, because it, I'm either going to just take my daughter or we're going to be here 24 hours a day because we're not the type of parents. We didn't just, we're not just dropping our, our newborn baby and just bailing. And so, um, so we did, we stayed and they finally said, okay, well, we'll put you in the shared room kind of set up to where we had a place to, that, that my wife could get rested and that sort of stuff. And, and we would just take turns going, sit in the NICU. And, uh, the NICU was, uh, another experience too. Um, so how long was she there for? Week and a half, I think. You said um, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can have to maybe two weeks. Uh, and that was just hell. I mean, it was sticking her every single day. Um, and what grounds did they have other than the fact that she was born tail end of January? And not March. Ooh, she ended up staying until February 18th. So, I mean, from realistically, she was one month early. And Which I think now they tell you, like, I mean, I, I carried my kid to 38 weeks and they said she was full term. And they said, technically, you are full term at 36 weeks. Yeah. Which is so, a month prior to the due date. Yeah. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. So it was, and that's what we're looking back and, and you ask those questions like, man, did they just like keep us there on purpose? Just like, were they just running the, doing all this stuff just to, to it, it's hard not to say just for the money or whatever it is. Um, and it, yeah, it was just extremely. It sounds like to me, they had already categorized you guys in a certain, not realm, but. I guess they already they already had you guys pegged as oh hey they are this they are situation A because she went into early labor so now we have to do X Y Z 
so we don't get sued. Yeah. Does that does that sound accurate? Yeah, it, it was either that or um, these people are really concerned, and we can take them for whatever ride we want to. I don't know which one it was, and uh, it really doesn't matter. But it's it's yeah, it doesn't matter. It's, it's shitty all the way around, but still, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd be I'd be raising so much cane because it's like, yeah. especially with six pounds. To me, that sounds like a normal birth weight, and she oh, was yeah, crying we, on her own. Yeah, and and then the other thing was these the lactation consultant or the uh, uh, it, that was a, a freaking racket to us as well um, because you know they'd asked us, "Do you want to breastfeed?" And so, well, yes, you know that's that's what we wanted to do. And, um, and so little did we know this lactation consultant was informing other nurses and that sort of stuff. And so they're basically telling us, well, if she can't eat and get her birth weight up or she can't get her weight up, then, you know, she's got to be gaining weight for you guys to leave or whatever. And, and now we know as common knowledge that breastfeeding babies typically drop a pound or so in the beginning before they go back up. And, uh, and so we were, we were saying, okay, well, yeah, we're trying to breastfeed or whatever. And the, uh, the lactation consultant, she was like, no, do not give this baby formula. No, do not give this baby this. No, no, no. Right. And so we went along with that for a while because we were like, this is what you got to do. You know, we want her to learn to latch and all that sort of stuff. And she would do from time to time, but she was just burning more calories trying than she was gaining and uh until the point we finally said i mean they put her on a freaking feeding tube um and and today she still has acid reflux we think from being on the darn feeding tube when she didn't need to be and what was the point uh, of a feeding tube oh yeah it, yes yeah looking back we we're like that it was such a freaking racket and we feel like we just got strung along in a lot of stuff and you know first kid we've ever had how do we know you know and you're just you're surrounded by medical professionals that are trying to tell you how to keep your baby healthy when that's exactly what we wanted to do was make sure we had a healthy baby and uh and so we finally got to the point with the lactation consultant too that we said no screw this we're i don't care she needs to eat she needs to eat she's got the colostrum in her with that that part that was done um and let's go and so we eventually got to the point where we made it well known we were leaving and they kind of were just like, Oh, well, okay. And we left. Um, and that was a great day rolling up with that car seat, the hospital, putting that baby in it and driving the hell out of there. Um, because that was just such a, it was such a bad experience. Um, just from, that hospital, the people, the everything, but, but our doctor was, which who was not even, not even present. Mm. Yeah. So but, in amongst all of that chaos, do you even recall what was going through both of your, like your mental state? Uh, extremely exhausted. Um, just because one, we're sleeping in a hospital and we had been for six weeks already up until birth. Um, and so it was, it's extremely exhausting to that point of just your sleep's not good anyway. And it's constant 
noises and tests and nurses in and out and that sort of stuff. And so adding all that together, we just kind of like around the day or the day before we left, we were totally maxed out. And to the point that we made it, like I said, we made it very well known that we're done with this. We're not doing this anymore. We don't care what they say. We'll take our chances at that point. Um, and of course that they didn't, they weren't advising us to leave, which was the, the strange thing to me is that they wanted to keep her in the NICU for, I don't know how long they never said that like up until this point or on this day, we'll release her or whatever. It was only when we told them that we were fed up with it and we weren't going to stay anymore. Um, especially after back on ragging on the hospital, the freaking NICU. Um, cause we would be in there all hours and, um, and babies crying all over the place in these. And again, there was, a, there was a, a stark difference between the day shift and the night shift. The night shift would roll in and babies are start crying. And we over here, you know, we're kind of sitting behind this wall so they can't hear us in, at the nurse station and, or they don't know that we're sitting there when they're at the nurse station and you hear the, whose baby is that? Not my baby, not my baby, ain't my baby. And, and, to me, I would like that, which is why we stayed in that NICU, one of us, 24 hours a day, because we were not going to let our child sit there and be neglected um, like those other babies were. And I think it was partly um, this NICU had a lot of addicted babies and that sort of stuff. And layering that on top of all the other <laughs> reasons why you wouldn't just let a child just sit and cry like that, a newborn. Um, it was, it was pretty shocking. Uh, and, and we wanted to get the hell out of there. Mm, how heartbreaking. And yeah, it's the moms that I've talked to and even just my own experience, it's like the mental exhaustion in the postpartum period, like, and I'm when I mean postpartum period for us, I'm referring to like the six to eight weeks after, you know, baby's home and you're learning your new routine. Uh, you hadn't even gotten to that point you and your wife, like you said, had already hit your max and you weren't even home yet. So what happened when you got home? Did you have support? Did you have people there to help help you guys learn your new normal? Um, we, well, I would say when we got home, we were so much more relieved that that may have helped, you know, because we were, like you said, we were maxed out before we got home. But when we got home, the stress kind of went away and we could just have our child and just do what we needed to do. Um, we uh, didn't necessarily, uh, we made some assumptions about support levels, um, but it didn't come to fruition. Um, but we're, we're pretty self-sufficient people. And, and so that's kind of how we operated was, um, we we weren't the types either that were like, oh, we need a break from our baby. Somebody take the baby so we can go out and do something. No, we we were thirty years old. We this is what we this is what we wanted to do. So it wasn't ever any of those situations of, you know, we need a break or anything like that because this is what I mean. We had uh, at that point we had already been together for seven or eight years, probably. So I mean, it was you know we had a solid relationship and all that sort of stuff. And I think it was like, two years after we got married. And so, uh, so that was what we were, we were there to do. 
but um but yeah it was you know a little more support would have been nice but uh thankfully we were um planned enough to where my wife was able to stay home so she didn't have to worry about um final child care or anything like that so um so i think that helped a little bit i assume at this point you were able to be home for a while just to get them settled before you had to go back to work yeah, that was back before we had the month of, of parental leave. So I had, I think, a couple of weeks I was able to stay home. And, uh, and yeah, I think back then it was, uh, it was either, I think it was just me. I was the only one running the IT shop at that time. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. I was the only one running the IT shop. So that was, that was pretty stressful too on my behalf it was, you know, I have an entire organization depending on my systems to, to stay up and, and functional and then also doing this at the same time. And so, but, um, you know, you do what you got to do to, to get through in those times. And, um, and we did, you know, where there's always, um, stuff you look back at and wish you'd done different and that sort of stuff. But you end up getting to a point where you're like, Oh, you know, Every every parent has the opportunity to screw their kids up, so hopefully we did too. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I, think I, used to, I used to joke about that too with my husband. I'd be like, "Well, you know, we're going to screw them up in our own way, so just do the best you can." Um, but in going back, I guess was there ever a concern that postpartum depression or anxiety would be an issue for you guys? Oh, of course. Um, and, you know, I'm not inside my wife's head, so I can't tell you everything that that happened with her. But, yeah, there's always that, that life is so different afterwards. And, um, you know, you become background, you know, because whenever you go anywhere, nobody wants to see you. They want the baby. And uh, I think that that is something that everybody has to deal with when they go through that process of like, oh, I mean, I don't get Christmas presents anymore. You only get them for my kid. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of there, um, you know, and I think that, it, like I said, we wanted to have, you know, our numbers were like three to five kids, maybe, you know, we wanted to have a big family. I grew up with um, four brothers and sisters uh, and she, she grew up with just a brother. And so, you know, we wanted to have a house full of kids. And, um, talking through that with her doctor and they said, yeah, it's more than likely every other situation is going to be just like this. And even your, so your that. doctor told you that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they said they're, they're basically predisposed to, to the situation. And yeah, more than likely this is, this is what the future of every child birth looks like. And i wasn't Even if willing. you had changed providers or went to a different hospital, th- yeah, because yeah, she'd yeah. already had that in her record that that's how it panned out. Yeah, basically they said that, um, and I don't know what the exact cause or what have you was, but the doctor basically said that with this situation, that it's more than likely it's like an eighty percent chance that every childbirth afterwards you'll go through the same process where you'll have six to eight weeks of bed rest. Goodness, yeah. And it was just that and, the, like I said, the complications after delivery and that sort of stuff. It wasn't something that I I definitely wouldn't um, ask her to try to go through that again. 
So was there ever a point like you and, or I guess you personally experienced what I consider the postpartum wow of it, you kind of touched on it a little bit of like, you take a back seat. This child is now front and center. Uh, did, was there ever like a moment where you thought this is my life now? Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It was a, we had such high expectations of the glory of parenting that were like smashed and crushed by this delivery experience. That, that in my opinion, I think that we may have saved off the after postpartum effect due to the stress and pain that was there in delivery. And so you're already depressed to a certain point that you have this high coming out of it where you're, you know, is this as bad as the last six to eight weeks that we were in there, you know, looking at it that way. Um, and, and I'm, I'm typically a really positive person regardless. Um, but life's different, you know, and I think a lot of what, what I worry about now is more of, are we making the right decisions? Are we given her the right opportunity to make decisions on her own? Um, and, you know, and we went down the homeschool path initially. And so you're thinking about, you know, how is that affecting them? And parenting has a lot of, um, obviously a lot of stresses, but there's so many things that you're always going to look back on and go, dang it. I wish I did different there. Dang it. I wish I would have done that. We should have done this or we shouldn't have done that. And I think that you just really have to take moment by moment what what feels right, what's working. Um, regardless, our kids are going to look back at us and think that we screwed them up, um, just like we look at our parents and say the same thing. But you got to, you know, hope that maybe there's one or two things that you did right that they're going to try to repeat if, if they decide to have children. And you know there's going to be several things you did wrong that they're going to learn not to do. And I, I think that's a good thing of, you know, you can, you can parent by showing them what not to do. So I Which that, uh, I think is, is incredibly valid. Um, yeah. So if you, uh, if you had to go back or if you could tell your pre dad self anything, what would it be? Uh, you can never be ready. Um, we, we, you know, prepared and prepared and prepared and, you know, and waited and waited and waited. And, and that's one of the things that we reflect on from time to time. It's like, well, what if we had started earlier? Why didn't we start earlier? We'd have more time to think about it. Maybe we would have reconsidered and went through it again anyway. Um, so I think from the standpoint of waiting and waiting to have children and, and, 
going, oh, no, we're not ready yet, and I don't have a good enough job yet, and my insurance isn't right yet, or whatever it is. I don't know that that should be so much of a a limiting factor in your decisions to have children um, because we end up finding a way. Um, I mean, considering what the environment that I grew up in and how poor we were, and I'm alive uh, and made it, I, I think that you know, a lot of times you tie that to financials of, you know, can we afford this? Can we afford that? You find a way. It's just a lifestyle adjustment. Um, and there's help for people that that need it out there, I think, that um, can get you along the way. But but you'll never be ready. Uh, there is no such thing. Because as soon as that baby cries and as soon as you get that baby home, your life is totally different and you have no idea what's coming. And uh, you're trying to interpret cries into, okay, is that hungry? Is that pain? Is that, you know, and you're doing the getting up every 10 minutes of the night and walking in there and make sure your baby's breathing. And they just, nothing will ever prepare you for that. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, that, that, and dang it, check the insurance. Um, try to figure out. And, and that was the thing with us is we had, we felt like we had some more time to figure that these things out. Um, like even our, uh, our birthing parenting classes were scheduled for after Danica was born. So. After really? Oh my. <laughs> so we didn't attend those. I think, and actually I think it might've been on the day that she was being delivered. Like we were in delivery and it popped up on my phone and we we're like, oh, hey, we're <laughs> supposed to go over to parenting classes. Yep. Not Skip happen. that. Yeah. I know that there was, and we had some grief too of like, yeah, the, the, the parenting class or the, the prenatal class or whatever. Yeah. There was helpful information in there, but in the grand scheme of things, do we remember any of it? Not really. You don't remember all the breathing techniques? No. You know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And I think our biggest grief too was like, okay, where's the, where's the postnatal class? Where's the, where, my husband always makes the comment of like, okay, I feel like I missed an episode here. So you're sending me home with something and I'm supposed to just magically know all the things. Uh, but it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> there's no manual. You know, we read all kinds of books and, you know, what to expect when you're expecting and all that kind of junk. And it's like, Nothing can prepare you, and at the same time, nothing can override natural instincts. And I think that was that's one of the beautiful things about it is um, watching my wife and just like the natural maternal instinct stuff that I have. I have like she's like, oh, that's a different cry. I don't know. Like it sounded the same as the last one. Like no, it doesn't. It it has this to it. Has that to it. I'm like, how do you know? And like, I, I don't hear the differences she does. And um, it's just amazing to see that sort of stuff happen. And see, that's what I like to hear from dads too, of like, yeah, you, you, you I think you can have like a certain level of beating yourself up because that stuff doesn't come easy to you. But when you get right down to it, it's like, you're not wired to get that. She is. And hearing that from your perspective of, okay, well, she gets that. I mean, Clearly, at one point, you had to have stepped up and supported her in that because it's like, okay, I'll trust your judgment. Um, but would you would you agree that 
it would be helpful for new new dads to to remember that 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 moms have an instinct that they're not necessarily going to have. Oh yeah, yeah, um, and I think you know my role, uh, especially early, was just I was just there to help. You know, I'm, uh, what do you need me to do, and what am I supposed to do, and you know, am I holding her right? Am I going to break her? You know, that that's a thing that I know a lot of men um, struggle with when it comes to newborn babies is just holding them and, um, you know, just the awkwardness of this is just not, this is foreign to me, but like anytime, you know, I hand them off to a, a sister, an aunt or whatever, and they're, whoop, you know, snuggle them right up and they're good to go and no worries. And, and I'm like, I'm freaking out. Um, but that also reminds me of like, the probably some of the most memorable um things of that time was like you know when they're newborn and you're supposed to do like the skin to skin contact and so that the share the bacteria and what have you and just lay in there with her on my chest and just hanging out was was really cool awesome well and i guess my only last question i had was so I, I've I've spoken with dads who uh, who showed symptoms of postpartum depression and anxiety along with their partners, and I always ask them, you know, what was your what was your coping method? Because so many of them will have different different ways of of handling the stress or handling the the new uh, the new life cycle and the new routine. Um, was there anything in particular that assisted you when you had moments of of stress or anxiety? Hmm. It's hard not to choose, you know, a beer or something like that. I mean, that's uh, a valid option. Yeah. You just got to be careful with it, you know, Um, because it can't be your, you stop the parent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can't just check out entirely. (laughs) Yeah. You can't just check out. Um, You know, I think uh, for us, it was, like I said, there wasn't a, a whole lot of, external engaged support and so it was we just kind of had each other and uh it was something we were just in it together and um i think that most of our coping was just based off each other and um and i i'm i'm more of an introvert type person where i i can get some of that cope just from alone being alone um just sitting and and meditating and just kind of not thinking about anything, uh, but not everybody has those kind of traits to just reflect and let go. And so, um, so yeah, I think it was just more of just leaning on each other and just tugging through it day by day. Uh, Cause that's the thing. It's only, it's a day at a time. And the next thing you know, it's 14 years and you're looking at like, Oh, next year I've got to buy a car for this child. Oh, the high school years are so fun. Oh, yeah. 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 School drama. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh, very good. Well, Dustin, I appreciate you hopping on today and telling us your experience and your story. And yeah, I I would say it's a it's a great example of perspective of you had this this horrible, horrible scenario that you were thrown into with the hospital and the NICU and then uh, really hit the upswing when you just put your foot down and said, we're going home to enjoy our new family and applaud you for, for stepping up and for doing that and not just, just rolling with it because that's what you were being told to do. 
Um, and I think, yeah, I, th- I think that when you said their coping was just relying on the two of you, I think that probably helped establish that of like, hey, you know, it's just the two of us for the time being. So let's find a way yep. to make it work. And it sounds like you did. So. Yeah. And ultimately it's just you to garden that baby for the rest of its life. And so that there's, there's really no one else that's going to take better care of your child than you. Despite what all the, all the other resources tell you. So very good. Well, guys, thanks again for, for listening and for tuning in. Uh, Stay tuned because in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some more interviews with uh, some more, uh, medical professionals that I'm bringing on the show, uh, just to provide some more insight and some ideas for you guys. Um, and as always, like I said, if you uh, if you know of a of a of a dad who's uh, needing some help, um, I'll put a link in the show notes for Postpartum Support International. Uh, their their resources that they have for new fathers are outstanding, and uh, there's a plethora of them now. So don't feel like you have to you have to go through this without without reaching out. There's there's ways to to get some help. So thanks again, guys, for listening, and have a great great rest of your day and your week. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Postpartum Wow. If you like what you heard and you'd like to support this podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe and follow me on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow me on my Facebook page at The Postpartum Wow. This way you'll be notified when new episodes are dropped every other Tuesday. Feel free to also leave a review sharing what you liked best, and this will help other listeners know what to expect when checking out this podcast. Until next time, friends, may your messy buns be on point and your coffee stay warm. Thank you.